Rumkey is hiring CDL drivers age 19 and up, and drivers are paid based on experience. Rumkey CDL drivers earn $1,000 to $1,300 per week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in their first year. Rumkey drivers are home daily, work in a recession-resistant industry, receive great benefits and performance incentives. Start a lucrative career and apply now at rumkeycareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the GC Sunscast. It's episode 48 and we continue our crystal ball discussions from last week. My name is Shane, your host. Joining me is Tom on the line. Welcome back to the show, Tom. Yeah, g'day Shane. How's your week been? Uh, you know, ups and downs, ups and downs. Um, but we're here to talk about footy, not about my personal life. Um... Yeah, yeah, there's no need to go into personal life stuff. <laughs> I'm very open. I'm a very open person, happy to talk about things, but let's keep it on track. We always seem to run out of yeah. time. We'll so, crash on through. Yeah. Uh, ha, 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 ha. I see what you did there. <laughs> All right. So we want to thank our Patreon donors for helping us through with the, uh, the show. Every week, uh, this show is brought to you by our Patreon donors, Old Soul, Jack's dad. Paul Vosti, Tom Kim, Chris Moore, James Wood, and new recruit, Tony. So, one of the features of Patreon is something all of our listeners will get the benefit of, as it's only next week, Tom, that we ha- have a full, full-scale full rundown of what the GC Sunscast could possibly be. So next week, we've got our normal Tuesday night episode. We will have a Thursday night episode to discuss selections. And then on the Sunday, the Gold Coast Suns vs. Hawks game will be a live commentary from Tom and myself. So if you get sick of the biased Victorian commentating, which sounds like it's going to be the Hawthorne show with Jared Ruffhead and uh, all the love for the Hawthorne Hawthorne players... Well, tune in to us live on... You can find the link through our Facebook page and hear from a a son's point of view. Now, I can't guarantee we'll be as good as the TV commentators, but we'll certainly have some good discussions, interact with the fans through the live chat, and uh, hopefully hopefully something worth tuning into. Well, Tom, let's get stuck into the news for this week. Not too much news coming from the club. Probably the biggest news is the signing of a new AFLW player, Taylor Thorne. Mm, yeah, no, good Good to see we're still signing players on. Of course, we've got the draft coming up. Um, <clears throat> now, for those who don't realise, the draft for the AFLW is actually concurrent with the, the, uh, the men's draft. So it's going to be... Really busy couple of days for the Suns recruitment staff, um, but getting a, getting a priority signing in in like this one at this stage really sets our list up. I think we're up to over twenty players, aren't we, Shane? Yeah, it's get going. Sorry, the list is growing quite rapidly. Um, it's going to be interesting the way the way the team lines up next year, and we've seen glimpses of these these girls or women playing uh, throughout the winter series that we've just completed. 
Taylor Thorne was one of those that played in two of the Winter Series games. Now, she's a mid-sized defender. Apparently, she can play on both smalls and talls, so a nice range there. And she has played five games in 2017 for Adelaide. Now, did Adelaide win the Premiership that year? They did. They did. I'm not sure if she's in the uh, the, the, the team, uh, in the grand final team. Um, I did follow the AFLW reasonably closely, but um, obviously, as the <clears throat> things came to the pointy end, the AFL men's competition was starting up, so I... I uh, I didn't even watch the grand final in the end, but um, yeah, no. Look, Adelaide is, is a great program. I guess the thing the thing with Adelaide is that um, when they first started out, they didn't have enough players, and they and uh, and they decided not to have an AFLW team based out of Darwin for various reasons. So they had half their players from Northern Territory living in Darwin, and half living in Adelaide, and they met up once a week to to to, to go and play games. It was just weird, and they won the premiership <laughs> doing that. So um, uh, that northern that northern territory uh, source of players is is quite proportionate in in, in the AFLW. They have uh, far more players from up there um, than, than the AFL men. So um, now we've got a few of those players, and this is spread around the rest of the league. So yeah, that's that's um, that's interesting. But yeah, um, we've still got two more spots we can fill before the draft which will bring us to... So we've got 20 out of 22 possible players. So look for a couple more announcements in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, you mentioned the Darwin connection there and strong rumours surfacing that the Suns will have the uh, like an academy zone for Darwin next year or as early as next year uh, through the sort of draft concessions that we're looking to try to get for uh, building the club. So... Very strong links that the club's building there, which sort of justify that that concession. Um, mm. Moving on, let's discuss the injury list. Now, with the exception of the Jared Witts knock that he suffered during the game, apparently he's all fine and should be right to play. We don't have any, any new injuries, so that's a relief to report for once. Um, <laughs> and the only player that looks like coming back, though, is Young. What's his first name? I can't remember his name. As a Aaron Young. Aaron Young, that's right. So Aaron Young is a test. If he plays, uh, you can pretty much guarantee he'll line up for the Neeful side who had the bye this week. Um, yeah, and looking- but, they, but the Neeful team will really need an injection of players because uh, this this is the do or die this week against Brisbane who are undefeated in the Neeful. So um, welcome back. As are, he's going to be going up against some pretty stiff opposition, but we'll get more into that in more into depth well, into, into how that how that's sort of looking. But unfortunately, Mitri Orden and Callum Archie are still two weeks and three weeks, and they were last week sort of two to three. So well, they're not they're not going to get back. up for this season, are they? I mean, that, yeah, it's we've got two three games left for the season, um, and you'd think they'd have to have at least a week in match fitness before they can qualify or be selected in the AFL side. Uh, there's no way I can see these two, Mitch Reardon or um, who was the other name? Callan Kalachi. There's no yeah. way I can see these guys slotting in before the end of the season. So basically the injury list that you see now with the exception of Aaron Young, 
that's pretty much our injury list for the season and that's quite an extensive list we've got Crossley, Rankin uh, help me out Tom have you got the list there? Well all those those two are TBA so uh, we don't think Rankin's going to play, there's no pressure on him to play but he could come good this week, I mean gee, it would be amazing for him to actually play a few games in the NEFL because uh, as I said it's, it's, uh, it's come to that point at the end of the season and yeah, we've only got one. Well, no, there's two ways. Anyway, I'll talk about it later. Um, and Braden Crossley, um, obviously, when it comes to personal leave, you don't want to be too invasive and you can't really put a timeline on that. These days, those things are managed as well as they're managed. He'll, he'll you know, he's a big personality. He'll he'll come out and, and talk about what's going on. Um, so, and potentially there's injury involved there. You know, they don't have to tell us. If they do tell us the reason why a player's missing, then that's a bit of a bonus for us, really. It's kind of just fan service. Um, and Because, uh, obviously, they don't want to give the opposition too much information about which knee it is or which this or that or whatever. Um, and then we've got our seven players who've been put on ice for the whole season. And I'll quickly go through them. Uh, Powell, Holman, Hompsch, Brody, Collins, Wig, and Thompson. And, uh, yeah, do you have, didn't, didn't we miss Rory Thompson on the weekend? Yeah, we did, but let's... Well, hang on. Yeah, let's jump into the, the Collingwood game, and we'll discuss that as we go through it, because it's quite an important discussion topic. Mm. Okay, so the Suns lost to Collingwood by 69 points. Anyone that didn't tune in to watch the game, you didn't miss too much. Um, Gold Coast kicked 8 goals, 3.51, 3 goals from Sexton, and 3 goals from King. Now, the I, I was, I think I was dragged out to the grocery shopping with the missus, so by the time I got back to watch the football, I jumped on the KO Sports and uh, was watching on, on delay by about half hour, 40 minutes, and... I I refused to look at the scores. I was, I'll just watch the game. It's more fun if I don't know the score. And it got off to a fantastic start. Uh, Gold Coast kicked the first two goals of, of the first quarter. Mm. And they were looking really damaging. They were winning the midfield clearance. They were getting it quickly into the forward line. And our forwards were leading, providing a contest and executing. Uh, Sam Day kicked a beautiful goal from around the 50 mark on a 45-degree mm. angle. And it it looked like everything was coming together for the Suns to cause that upset that we did against Sydney last year. Mm. Now, um, I mean, the Suns brought it physically in that first quarter to Collingwood, and I think that put Collingwood off a bit. But after that, Tom, it was pretty much one way all to Collingwood. Now, I... Uh, I'm not going to jump on the umpire bandwagon, but you do agree that it there were some very contentious decisions. Um, there were, there were, and and it's it's becoming a bit of a theme. But I mean, look, two days after the game, you kind of I went I went back and had a bit of a look at it again last night, and it was there, but it wasn't there as as much as it was in the, when I was watching it live, um, because you know you just you just get ticked off you know when you when when you're watching it live and you and you, you think you've seen something and and then you watch it again and and there probably wasn't anything there they're only human the old umpies but 
yeah, the Collingwood had a pretty one-way crowd. So, yeah, that, that does influence the umpire's decisions, doesn't it? It does. So after about the, the first 10, 15 minutes of that first quarter, Collingwood started to gain the ascendancy. You could see they were starting to, to win the midfield battle. They were getting a bit more contested, and their small forwards looked really damaging. I think that's a big issue for Gold Coast. Harbour isn't isn't capable of locking down on a small target. And without Joyce in the side, who would normally perform that role, we don't really have anyone else capable of doing that. And it showed with Jamie Elliott just clearly outclassing Harbrow and getting on top of us. And it wasn't just Jamie Elliott, it was Will Hoskin Elliott as well. And basically any small forward for Collingwood was doing damage. Their midfielders were going forward and doing damage. And going into the game, we were probably thinking, why aren't we playing a Caleb Graham or a Jack Leslie to replace Homsch and be that tall key defender to line up mm. on Mason Cox? But in the end, the match committee probably went down the right path with not playing another tall. It, it seems like we were lacking too much speed already. Mm. Uh, what do you put that down to, Tom? Do you think that was... Uh, a balance of not having enough defensive-minded defenders? or Yeah, I think it's that. But I also think, yeah, look, Ballard, Nikosius and Dawson all had their best ever games and still got on the end of a hiding. Um, you know, Harbour, I tried hard. I, I, I don't see him as a lockdown defender. Do you? No. Harbrow's always been that rebounding yeah. dash, like like the Adam Saad sort of style. Take the game on, try to zigzag past the opponents and get the ball moving. Harbrow isn't a lockdown defender. I don't understand why they persist with this. Well, they've done it with Eddie Betts twice this year. And, and it hasn't worked. Both times. No, I mean, I understand why he wants to take it. He wants that. He wants to do it. And he's putting his hand up and who's, no one's going to tell him No. But, yeah, no, he's, he's just way better spoiling and being third man in. And he can take a, for a short little bloke, he can take a high mark. And he's, he's really good at getting out of tricky situations. And he's a team player. He'll, he'll you know, link, link up with other players. So, you know, he, he didn't have a bad game. But, yeah, he just got embarrassed in the one-on-ones. And if he's our best defender, we'll... That's why we're getting flogged. Yeah. So, so yeah. You, you've mentioned... Uh, but, but I was really impressed with Dawson. Like he's he's in my votes. Okay, well, well, just on Dawson. You've seen a lot of Dawson in the NEFL. Now, yeah. he has... He's traditionally been a an inside midfielder. And yeah. this year, he's been moved down to more of a, a defender. Do you yeah. think Dawson has the ability to be a defensively-minded defender? I do, and because I've seen it time and time again, but I will add this caveat, the Nefal defence is always three giants and he and, and, and he gets in, in behind them um, and he links up very well with his halfback flankers and they are playing, the Nefal team are playing the game plan better than the AFL team because Nefal opposition don't, get back across they don't they don't chase hard enough and they don't switch so the Neefel team with with Dawson in behind there he'll he'll take a mark and he'll take 20 marks in a game and he'll switch it out 
and the game, and, and of course they're also playing on on uh, fields that sort of are narrower at the goal end. That don't really have a deep pocket, so it's actually not that far to get from you know one side of the fifty arc back through the goal square and then out out to the wing. And with a guy like um, Jordan Murdoch tearing off down the wing and taking a few bounces, it's just it's lovely footy. And it leads to wins, leads to big wins. So that's why he's come in, because he's come in from a team that's actually been in pretty damn good form. Like, they're one of the form teams of the NEFL, and they're almost odds-on to miss out on the finals because of the injury toll. So, so yeah, Dawson, is he, he, he's, he's 19. So you could chuck him in the middle, and he'll go all right, but I think he's realised that his AFL career is going to be as a defender, and in this team, there's probably a spot for him at the moment because, as you say, there, there aren't, there really aren't that many um, players. I mean, we, we picked our, our, our named backline was Jack Martin and Lockie Weller in the backline, and they, they haven't been permanent fixtures back there. And I, I didn't think that Weller was all that good, and, and Jack Martin had one of his worst games ever. Hmm. So that's I mean, not a solution. But you, D- Dawson will be stay there. Well, th- yeah, that that's. What you've been saying, Dawson certainly does have a chance to cement himself as the Gold Coast Suns lockdown small defender. I've got doubts about whether he's defensively minded enough to do that, but he does have a few things going for him. He's got a bit of pace, he can bloody tackle, and Mm. he uses the ball well. Now, he's got a knockout. At the moment, he doesn't have too much opposition. He's got to knock out basically Jesse Joyce. Jesse Joyce has been the Suns' lockdown def- small defender for the last couple of years. And he, let's face it, he's got a couple of knocks on him, Joyce, and Dawson may have the ability to just go past him a bit. Uh, as far as Harbrow, I mean, he's, pretty much everyone in the AFL realises Harbrow is a, a rebounding defender, and that's how he should be used. Now, you also mentioned Lukosius and Ballard. Now, they had great games and they were sort of alternating between the centre-half back sort of position and a, a third-tall sort of intercepting defender. And that's mm. why they were both really good. And as you said as well with Dawson, the use of the ball and the changing the angles, the switch, all three of those boys were doing it. And it was very obvious that the Suns were doing it. And, I mean, not... Uh, it's obviously not great to be predictable to the opponent, but mm. it was great from a Suns fan to see these boys, this team, taking the game on a bit, switching up the angles, and trying to trying to find a way through Collingwood's defensive structures. Yeah, absolutely, and and not to mention they, the ball in the air, they won they won that contest in the back line. There, it's just that. If the other team can win twenty percent of the the contested marks in in, in in the forward fifty, then your defenders are going to look stupid. So, you know those guys took fifty. So, Lacocious, Harbrow, Dawson, and Ballard took fifty nine marks between them. I mean, that's am I counting that right? No, I'm not. Forty nine marks between well, them. Well, Ballard uh, and still, Ballard and Dawson had around thirty marks apiece. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I can totally see that happening. They we're all quite good, but then again, the ball spent a lot of time down there. Now, the other thing was when Collingwood did step up, the one thing that stood out was how quick they were. 
And that's because they yeah. got the ball, they basically turned and played on at all costs. It really highlighted just how slow our Suns side is. They, the Suns players just couldn't keep up with them. As soon as the ball was turned over, not even when the ball was turned over, I thought the Suns were pretty good compared to previous weeks at maintaining possession of the ball and hitting the targets. But as soon as it went to a, a one-on-one contest or the ball was turned over from a contest, Collingwood were just too slick with their hands, used the ball too skillfully, and were just able to cut Gold Coast up right through the middle. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I totally agree with you about the slow part, but it's not like we haven't got fast players. I mean, Tweak Miller is electric over 20 to 30 metres. Um, you know, you've seen Darcy McPherson bouncing around through the, the centre square and just really showing that that's, that's his role. I'd like to see McPherson spend more time up forward because I think he's a definite goal threat and has that pace to get us from the centre to the inside 50s by by foot um, by those short passes because they've run through the middle or they've run through the sort of the, the inside wing um, you know we were getting we were getting smashed every time we tried to go up the up, up the sideline and that's supposed to be the safe option with Witsy but with with Grundy and, and Mia Check and and just their their Collingwood's ability to bring that ball down from the contest and just send it straight back through over the Suns defenders' heads, it, they kept doing it and doing it and doing it, and and uh, we didn't have an answer. No, we didn't, and it it really showed like there are some big holes for the Suns, and we'll get into that later on. We'll try and talk about the the recruits the Suns should target and at the same time who we think the Suns need to target. Um, all right, let's finish off with our votes for this game. I've given one vote to Lukosius. I uh, thought his, like, he did play one of his best games and he yeah. led the Suns with metres gained. He had 449 metres gained from 21 disposals. Yeah, no, he ran and he, he marked everything that came his way. He had seven rebound fifties. He, he was very good. What the one percenters is where where you you know when you when you've got a play well you, when you've got a list of players out like we do like Collins and and uh, Hompsch and and Thompson you look for who's going to get the one percenters in defence and and Lacoche's got four of those uh, mind you they spread it around. A lot of one percenters in there, so there was any desperation going on. Um, look, for one point, I went in a slightly different direction. I I had Jacob Dawson. Who I met. If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. Mention I thought was one of the better players. Um, 14 marks, a couple of them contested. He really, he knows where the drop of the ball's going to be. He's really good at, at, at citing that, which, um, you know, just, just suggests that he could evolve into that defender we're talking about. I think you're quite right. He doesn't, he doesn't quite have that... Um, like Jesse Joyce seems to just have that fire burning, and he and he knows that his role is defensive, and he follows. He's very coachable, follows follows his orders. 
but um, you know, again, we're talking about a, a couple, a bunch of teenagers playing in defence for us. Yeah, my two votes went to Charlie Ballard, so the Suns player of the round. Uh, 22 disposals at 86% efficiency and yep. the 15 marks. He was pretty crucial in setting us up from the back half and uh, cutting off Collingwood's foray into the attack. Yeah, eight rebound 50s and and uh, five one percenters. Um, I had uh, Jack Lacocious at number two, we already talked about, and at, for, for three votes I, got, I had Ballard. Um, the only thing that separated Lacocious and Ballard, to my mind, was uh, Jack. His disposal efficiency wasn't quite as good as Charlie Ballard, but you got to remember, last year, the year 2018, of all players who played a minimum of, of 10 games, Charlie Ballard had the worst disposal efficiency by foot in the entire AFL. So he's fixed that aspect of his game, to, to, mine, uh, to my mind. Um, he's fixed that aspect, which was the knock on him that saw him slide to the third round where we picked him up in the draft. So, yeah, well, like he was the player of the round. Yeah, and, and I think that all comes down to a confidence thing with Ballard. He's found his spot. He feels comfortable knowing what he's doing, and he can just relax, take it on board, and do do what needs to be done. Uh, my he three Cox. votes. He beat Cox. You only got to say, yeah. for half a game, he kept Cox very bloody quiet. Yeah, um, and my three votes. A bit left field here, but I can't ignore the hard work, the pressure acts, the tackles that Tuke Miller gives. Uh, 26 disposals, 85% disposal efficiency. He had 21 pressure acts. I think he had about nine contested possessions, about eight tackles. Uh, Turk Miller just keeps providing that um, defense and aggression. Yeah. A bit of aggression there in your street, Tom. Um, oh, they like to use it as a shortcut. The uh, Ipswich Road leading down to the Gabba. Full of people. It's, it's, uh, it, it used to be used to be able to shoot a cannon down the middle of it and not even be in danger of hitting anything. But these days, it's like the freeway. Anyway, um, I think that was just an Uber motorbike. <laughs> yeah, so, so Took Miller so, yeah, was I, my three I, votes. I, I was I was going to go down the Took road. I think he's back. Um, the, the only thing that he kept him out of my votes was the other guys in the old uh, fantasy points. The other guys all all, um, all got a little bit higher than him, and I sort of thought, on balance, yeah, he was fourth. And if an honourable mention goes to goes to uh, little Milesy. Um, he's bloody dreadful by foot, but everything else he does is is rolled gold. So, well, that um, that's the thing with fantasy points. Okay, I'll take you to school here for a little bit. I'll be the teacher. Good. Well, that's, now, your, that's I, your bag. Yeah, I used to do the whole fantasy super coach thing pretty hardcore a few years back. Now, the fantasy points is just about getting stats, about about getting possessions, and players don't get penalised too much for 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 making errors or mistakes. Now, Supercoach, on the other hand, does. It also rewards players for being at the right place at the right time and scoring a goal in when it's counted. Um, you know, when scores are tight, goals and possessions and the hard work that's done then counts a lot more than when it's game over and the game was decided 20 minutes ago so always a good if you're going to use those sort of points as a guide to how well a player's played super coach is probably the better judge of that 
as it rates the players that have changed the game when when the game needed to be changed. Yeah, no, you, you, I was aware of that, but you're, you're quite right. But um, as I said, I, I was uh, just looking for something to fit uh, four into three. All right. Um, well, that's that was my deciding factor. Uh, Tuke had a great game. Well, uh, hopefully Tuke plays against uh, Zorko this week in the Q Clash. No, always no, a big fan. Of... What do you it's mean? It's off the 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 boy the rivalry between the Suns and the and the Lions. He's going to have to go without a Zorko Miller matchup because Zorko's chickened out. What do you mean? Not playing. Has this just saying, come through? They're saying he's yes. They're saying he's done a done a hamstring but if as we well know hamstrings are usually four or five weeks minimum and they're saying he's done a hamstring for maybe a week or two and it's it's just it's uh, just convenient for Dane he put his cue in the rack uh, and he's he's uh, he's sucking it he's going to be he's going to be sitting on the on, uh, sitting in a little uh, three piece suit up in the up in the grandstand and uh, and yeah I, I don't believe it for a minute I think he's scared <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I, your good I, mate I, Michael Whiting not, wrote not. six hours ago that he's still a chance to face the Suns. Really? Because so, they've been saying he's no chance. But anyway, so that's interesting. I'd love to see Zorko line up, even if he is a little bit underdone. It would just make the exo- the uh, Took clash a bit more exciting. Because uh, oh, I don't think Took would go easy on him either way. No, I'd be belting the crap out of him the whole game. It's the main thing that I was looking forward to. And then I watched the late game on Sunday and, and uh, off hops Zorko, complaining that he's done a little 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 uh, twang in his little 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 uh, <coughs> hammy region. And, uh, yeah, they were all saying he's, he's gone for weeks. But anyway, we'll yeah. see. Well, hopefully the Suns give us something to look forward to with the Q Clash. Um, I'm probably going to make the trip up to Brisbane. Not not a fan of going up there, but <laughs> to, to support the boys and witness a Q Clash and hopefully an epic upset would be amazing and rub it in all those Brisbaneites' faces. Okay, let's head on to the topic of the week. The priority pick discussion is coming to the forefront again in the AFL media. Now, we've got flogs on Triple M, such as uh, James Brayshaw and his compatriots there, basically saying it's a disgrace that the Suns should get a priority pick in at the start of the first round because apparently the clubs run, uh, run the club into the ground. Uh, what I think James Brayshaw fails to realise is pretty much no one is there from the start of the club. So it's a whole new generation, a whole new group of people, and the club's in the right hands now to to move up and to grow the talent and build this club. Now, you know, he's in his little fairy tale world. I think he's still chairman of North Melbourne the way he carries on. Um, he's, you, know, you know, do you know who he is? You know, like, like he, he's an he's a ex-cricket player. And he couldn't even make it into the test team. He just played for the Western Australian. I mean, you know, I, I think we'd all probably like to represent our state at some level of sport and, and good on you. But he's not even a, you know, it, it, he's a nothing 
No, as, well, as, as that, a football, that, you know, like that's generally really... what happens with these media commentators, Tom. They are generally are, you know, not good enough to make it as elite sportsmen. So they they talk about sport instead. That's what happens with a lot of industries. Um, yeah, no, but what... I mean this this particular this particular rant that is that is gone on. Look, there's a there's a reason that the footy show was cancelled, and it's because morons like him go on about crap like that. You know, it's it's really they they're just they're just going for ratings in a pretty competitive radio market in Melbourne. But to be honest, they're getting flogged. They're getting absolutely blown out of the water by SEN and and other radio networks who've got way better commentators who who have you know actually talking about the topic of the day i mean if if you if you want to get an opinion on the on, on the suns um as far as should they or shouldn't they get the priority pick even people who i don't usually agree with like wayne carey are saying yeah of course that's just the first thing they should do there's a plenty of other things that need to be looked at and implemented in addition yeah, I mean Caroline Caroline Wilson uh, has uh, what Monday night last night was on her show. I think it's Footy Classified, talking about the priority pick and how the Suns need it. Uh, obviously, I think there was other members on that panel. Chris Judd being one of them against this. Now, the key thing that these people have that against the priority pick, uh, they're affiliated with another football club. Of course, mm. they don't want the Suns to get a priority pick. Mind you, I don't quite fully understand how James Brayshaw likes to carry on about how Brisbane's had the best draw in history and the competition's not equal, and yet it's okay for the draft to be completely untouched and be equal when it's the only mechanism designed to allow clubs at the bottom of the ladder to become competitive. Well, I mean, th- that statement just shows his ignorance anyway because the Lions came bottom four. If you come, if you come bottom four, you, you're going to get a, a good draw. But, like, Brisbane's draw is fairly similar to the Suns' draw and our draw hasn't been easy by any stretch. Um, if Brisbane's draw was easier, it, it could be argued that their draw was easier because they get us twice. Well, that, we that might, was the other argument. Them. They're complaining about Adelaide potentially playing finals because they had the privilege of playing Gold Coast twice for a nice little percentage boost. But Adelaide so, always gets an easy draw. Like, you, you must you must know that. I mean, that Adelaide's had, had the easiest 25 years of any AFL side as far as draws because they've got 12 games at home and of their other 10 games, they, they're often playing teams like the Gold Coast twice. It's just... It's not by design. It's just that that's that's the reality. They have two showdowns in in, in Adelaide because it's like a blockbuster. Um, you know, if if the Suns could get twelve games at Metricon, it'd be bloody good. Well, I mean, at happen. one point we had thirteen games in Queensland, didn't we? We had yeah. the eleven home games that we had the Q Clash in Brisbane, and on top of that, we'd managed to convince. Uh, Richmond and the Bulldogs to sell games to to Cairns. So at yeah, one point the look, Suns the, the were Bruce lucky enough to have thirteen games in Queensland. But um, yeah, it Didn't there's help. there's obviously inequalities in the draw and the competition. But one thing that shouldn't be equal is the draft. Now the draft should be altered to reflect that it assists the the team struggling at the bottom of the ladder because mm. 
we're in a, an age now with free agency and free agency history shows teams in the eight are more likely to receive a free agent than teams outside the eight. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And uh, the, the, the Melbourne teams always get it all spooned to them. If you remember the, the headlines from 10 years ago, or probably probably a bit more than 10 years ago, they, they were saying that the 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 non-Victorian teams were being, you know, handed all the premierships on a platter. I mean, at that stage, that you know, West Coast had a had had a few. Um, Sydney had won their first flag in forever. Brisbane had a few. Adelaide had a couple. The only non-Victorian team that that at that time hadn't won the flag was Frio, and they were up and about. And the Victorian teams were all languishing at the bottom of the table, and most of them were missing the eight. So there was one year where every non-Victorian team made the final eight and there were only it was only Collingwood and Essendon who both had very good teams in the early two thousands. And then all of the things that were perceived by the James Brayshaws and Eddie Maguire's of the world were all taken away. So Cola um, got taken away. But you know what? Brisbane lost Cola and Gold Coast for no reason that anyone can can, can justify lost the Cola, the extra payments. And Sydney and GWS got to keep theirs for an extra few seasons to the tune of $3 million more than what the Suns were able to spend in that period of time. So I, yeah, I, I can kind of see what they're talking about, but it's misdirected when they're talking about the Suns. We didn't get, you know, we didn't get anything like what GWS got. Um, the things that they say we were good. What did I hear the, the other day? It was a quote from... Um, What's his face? Jared Healy. And he said, the Suns were given the world when they started out and messed it up. And I was like, how could you even say that? Like, you, you, they, they, they gave what they gave to the Suns to set up and it didn't work. And they gave heaps more to the Giants and it did work. It was almost like they were trying to work out how, how, how can you build a new club if you're going to build a new club in Tasmania and maybe in 10 years put one in Darwin, how can you do it as cheaply as possible or do you need to put heaps into it? Let's do it completely differently and see which one works. Because if we can do it with less, then that'll be cheaper down the long run. But if we have to spend more, well, we'll, we'll see how we go with giving the GWS the world and giving the Suns bugger all. Yeah, I feel like we're going down this tired old path of uh, Giants gets more than the Suns and they've screwed up big time. So let's let's move on from here. I mean, it's, it was yeah. pretty disgraceful, the comments that James Brayshaw said and the other yeah. team of that Triple M uh, Saturday Rub crew. Uh, if you haven't heard it, I'm sure you can find it, but it, it's pretty bloody disgraceful. And I've known quite a few Suns fans have... Uh, gone to social media to voice their their anger towards those people let's move on to the off season the trade period we talked a bit last week about the recruits the suns could look at uh granted we only got about two minutes to discuss it now we've got about four or five minutes so let's jump into that um now we discussed that the Suns, first of all everyone's looking for the suns to have a luke hodge 2.0 type character but is that really what the Suns need? I, I I've feel been thinking like... about this one and who we could actually recruit who could who could do that. So 
the one who's been in the in, in, in the spotlight this weekend and a lot more so than than uh, last week is is Sean Burgoyne. Um, let's forget how old he is because he still plays very good footy. Um, do you think Burgoyne would be somebody who could who could um, you know provide that that you know Burgoyne and Harbrow with uh, with some A grade talls like Tom? Um, I, I think Thompson's an A grade defender, and Collins is certainly a good rebounder, and Jack Homsch is pretty tough. Put put those guys in there. Burgoyne, what do you reckon? Look. First of all, let me start off by saying there is no such thing as Hodge 2.0. That player does right. not currently exist in the AFL. So we're not going to get anyone to the caliber of that. Now, I think mm. Burgoyne is up there with one of the players that could provide a boost uh, of culture, of skill on in the team, as well as professionalism. So I'm not against Burgoyne coming to the club. I also think Burgoyne's flexible enough to play forward or play on the wing. Then oh, yeah. In, yeah. Instead of just being Absolutely. stuck down back. Um, yeah. The other players on that list, we've got Richard Douglas from Adelaide. He's quite capable of being a damaging small forward and can also run through the midfield. Yeah. Um, Josh Kennedy from Sydney. Now, I know he's a bit younger, but if we were able to pry him from Sydney, he's the sort of player you could actually stick right in the guts and say, do your thing and others will follow. So I'm really keen on Josh Kennedy, but again, that's, that's a bit of a pipe dream. I don't think that can happen. Uh, mm. Jared Roughhead seems more less and less likely, um, but he could be someone that even playing Neeful, uh could, could really provide some sort of... Uh, teaching to our, our key forwards. But the Suns have made moves this year to get Justin Kaczynski in uh, as a part-timer. And mm. I think in the last last month, we've started to see some, see some real changes with the Suns' tall forwards, the way they're leading mm. and the way they're taking contested marks. I, mm. think, I think we're already starting to see the benefits of having a, a part-time forwards coach like Justin Kaczynski. And uh, if, that, if that is Cozzy... Causing that, you know, if 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 Ben King comes out and you know around twenty three and says, you know, just want to thank my line coach Justin Kosicki. He's you know he's done Kosicki. Um, he's done you know done wonders for me. Then then I'll be very happy. It, it's not really the kind of thing that you unless you're super close to the, the club that you that you can really tell. But that's been certainly what we've been led to believe is that is that. Um, the, the forward line have have been benefiting from from a bit of extra mentoring from him. I think earlier in the year they sort of brought Alistair Lynch and Jonathan Brown through the facilities and they had a kick around or whatever. But you know the media tried to sort of suggest that there was a bit of mentorship going on there, but there wasn't. And they did. It was it was obvious that they, there was they needed to have somebody like Cozzy come in. So um, I, yeah, I'd prefer that really. I'd prefer Cozzy. Uh, to continue with that rather than Roughhead. A lot of these older players have families too, Shane. So if 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 there's some sort of family connection, um, then I think players will will, will come. I want to I want to um, put out there a, a bit of a, a bit of a dark horse. Um, Carl Eamon from Port Adelaide. He um, he's an Indigenous player, and his Indigenous um, family are based in Queensland. So. He could potentially be someone who could play that sort of small forward role 
um, and potentially sort of be a, um, a you know a, a stable mate for Rankin. Uh, you know, just putting it out there. Yeah, Carl Amon certainly got a lot of talent, and he's not a best twenty-two walk-up start for Port Adelaide. So I can quite easily see him having a coming up to the Suns and having a shot at trying to be best twenty-two up here. Mm. Uh, the the player the Suns have been linked to is Stephen Hill. Now that's been going on for about you know three months. Now he's probably one of the other players you could probably put into that uh, category of senior leadership. I'm not sure if Stephen Hill has that leadership. I haven't seen enough of him at Fremantle to suggest that but he's certainly the sort of player that could play a role on game day uh filling one of the sun's needs which would be a a pacey sort of wingman now hills hasn't had the best with injury but he can play that that wingman role and uh really salute for the suns Mm. i mean yeah look he knows how to find a goal too 200 gamer so there's certainly a lot of experience there to, to, to bring to the group. Um, you'd imagine he'd be sort of looking for a two- or three-year deal. So that could be, you know, it could be a worry. Um, question marks over him are his, his, his injury run. He'll be 30 this time next year. That doesn't mean anything, really. Um, if, if he's got... If, if he can get his body right and play another five, six years, you wouldn't you wouldn't be surprised at all. No. Um, package him up with Brad Hill. Oh, I think that's a bit of a pipe dream. Anyway, Tom, it's time for us to go. Uh, that's our senior player chat. We'll discuss next week the the under the twenty odd player year players that could come in and have an impact. Until then, go Suns. Joe Neaton. If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. Have you been to Express lately? People can't get enough of their clothes. They're like insta-confidence boosters. The jeans come in a temp-control fabric that keeps you comfortable no matter the weather. And the t-shirts, hands down, they'll feel like they're made of the softest fabric you've ever worn. And get this, the suits have stretch and look sharp. Like, what? How do they do that? Everyone's raving about the newest looks from Express. Just check out the five-star reviews. See for yourself and shop the latest at Express.com and in stores.